So, Pesach is coming, and uh, the goal uh, in mind, obviously, is to have a Chag Kasher V'Sameach, a Kasher Yomtev, a happy Yomtev, um, not necessarily in that, I mean, whatever, you know, both are important, and uh, we need both things to be true. Uh, true story, uh, I really don't remember how many years ago it was, but when we had just a few kids, so we were planning to go away for Yom Tov, and it was the day, the day of uh, Badikas Chametz, and we were out shopping, and uh, one of my kids, uh, you know, kind of pulled up his shirt and said, while we were in a shoe store, and he said, like, what do you think these dots are on my stomach? <laughs> so it was just three dots. So we thought, okay, whatever, I don't know. No idea what it is. So we went, you know, we ended up coming home. And then it was kind of niggling at us. And then he pulled up his shirt and he said, look, there are a few more. Brought him to a doctor and came to the uh, conclusion that despite his vaccination status, he had gotten chicken pox. And both uh, my mother was having over somebody who was an older person, and my in-laws were having over um, my mother-in-law's mother. And uh, therefore, we were banned from both locations. And we had, we figured this out, I think about, it was, must have been about 6, 6.30 p.m. on Bidigas Chametz night, that we were going to be making Pesach. And we did, and uh, required a you know one sleepless night, but the idea that it takes months or a month or something like that to make Pesach is a little bit of a uh, it's a little bit of an over whatever, and uh, it could get done. So let's talk about what needs to be done al pi halacha in order to have an absolutely, positively, perfectly kosher Pesach. So, number one, uh, what we do is two things. We have two ways, really two and a half ways, that we get rid of our chametz. One is we do bedikas chametz, which does not just mean to search for chametz, but it means to search for and destroy chametz. That's why we make the bracha of albir chametz, burning chametz at the beginning of the bedika, because we are searching for and burning chametz. Back in the good old days, that was Pesach cleaning. It was bedikas chametz. Yeah, you had one room, and you lived in one room. It wasn't a big deal. You wandered around. You looked around under the few things that you had, and hey, bada boom, bada bing, you're done. It's over. But uh, nowadays, Baruch Hashem, we have got a lot more stuff and a lot more space, so we need more time and therefore, what we do now is really kind of like an extended bedika. We are searching for chametz, and we're trying to get rid of it from the places where it may be hanging out. So that's one thing that we do. Now, to rely on that alone is not really good enough, because let's say there's something you don't find. Let's say there's something you don't locate, and you own it during Pesach. That's Asr Midoraisa. That is a Torah prohibition. So therefore, we also do bitl chametz. We also declare our chametz to be ownerless, to be something that is worthless and ownerless. Now, technically, 
one would think that you could just do that. Just right before Pesach starts, right before the Zman comes of things being Asr, just say, okay, every bit of chametz that I own, no matter where it is, I consider it totally ownerless. Chazal had a problem with that. Number one is, do you really mean it? And number two is, if you would bump into it on Pesach, you might just space out and eat it because you're just so used to having that stuff around that you might actually come and eat it. So just to have the chametz lying around, even though you've declared it ownerless, is a dangerous game to play. And as soon as one would have the thought of, ooh, that looks good, I want that, well, then you do own it. And now again, you've transgressed in Isser Daraisa of having chametz. So therefore, we double up and we do a bedika, and we also do a uh, and, and we also do a bittel. So we check for chametz, we look for it, we make sure to sequester it where it needs to go, and we also do um, bittel chametz, anything that we haven't located or that may be uh, tiny and insignificant, and therefore we're just not interested in locating locating it. All of that stuff becomes totally ownerless and totally not problematic for Pesach. We add, and this is a more recent type of thing, we add another layer of mechiras chametz, of selling chametz, that gives us an opportunity to sell chametz, uh, ultimately perhaps get it back after Pesach if the guy is so inclined to sell it back to us. And that's another layer of insurance that we have for the chametz that we own before Pesach. Those are the things that we do. When we're cleaning for Pesach, so this is obviously the time in which we are trying to get the chametz out of the chametz that we potentially own slash may bump into over Pesach, and we try to get that out of the way. When we get to the kitchen, when we get to eating areas, there's another issue of any amount of chametz is going to be a problem. We'll discuss that when we get to it. So when it comes to cleaning 95% of one's home, meaning everything outside of the kitchen, what we are doing is we are looking in places that, number one, someone has at some point in time brought chametz into that area. If you have an attic that all you ever do is go into it to clean for Pesach, that's wasteful, silly. That's, that has not, just do that clean for Shavuos instead. That's, that, that, that's what you should do in that area. Um, no cleaning, no checking for chametz, none of that is ever necessary. So high, high shelves in a closet that no one ever you know, deals with and it's got linen that's just still folded there from whenever, just leave it. Just there's, there's nothing to do over there. Also, any kind of large piece of furniture that has not been moved within the last 30 days does not need to be moved and looked for, uh, for with, and chametz looked for. You haven't moved it, you're not going to move it. Anything that's under there is gone. We do bittel. We say that everything that we own is nullified. Even if it's somehow maybe a value, it's sold. There is no need to do any kind of movement of refrigerators, ovens, things like that in order to, uh, bookcases, in order to check underneath them. Um, and again, in places that have both, that in places that have a shot of having chametz, so then... We do a badika, we search for chametz, and we do a bittel. Searching for chametz means that we look around. You have a dresser. You open the dresser drawer. You look inside. 
There's no need to fold everything. There's no need to clean everything. No need to vacuum out the corners of it. It is, there's, if there's no noticeable, um, obvious, uh, larger chunks of chametz, the fear that we have at that point, that's we're looking in a drawer, what are we afraid of? We're afraid of two possibilities. Number one is that you have a serious kezayis of chametz, which would be something around the size of the, 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 the head of a teaspoon. You have something that size. So if you stashed away chocolate at some point, whatever, that may be that. Um, number two is, even if it's something smaller than that, and it is uh, an edible type of thing, like a Cheerio, which potentially, maybe depending on the age of the person, somebody might pop that into their mouth if they bump into it. The fear that we have is not from the ownership of that stuff. We are going to do a bittle, and we're going to mean the bittle. So if there are crumbs in there, so what? It doesn't matter. They're not relevant. The issue is, am I going to potentially bump into something that I may consider a value, want to own, pop it into my mouth? That is what we are looking for. So it really is just a sifting through, opening the drawers, sifting through it, open it, going through our closets. And yes, it is looking everywhere in the places that we generally go or that we've gone throughout the year and potentially brought chametz into those places. We are looking for those larger types of things, any kind of crumb, totally not relevant. They will be nullified. They will never be eaten. So that stuff is not something to be concerned about. So therefore, the cleaning of one's house, even if one has toys, again, there's no need to like, you know, put the Lego into the washing machine or, you know, bathtub everything. That stuff, sometimes, it's, listen, sometimes it just saves you time. If that saves you time, go for it. But otherwise... What are we afraid of? We're afraid. Is a kid going to find something that they're going to eat? They find something that, so look through it. You see any Cheerios? You see, any, you see anything, uh, you know, any Life cereal, anything like that? Otherwise, um, you can forget it. Yeah. Yeah, so I just want to go back. Uh, you said, like, you don't need to look underneath your oven, for example. The oven has, it has wheels. It has a little space underneath there. And every, like, almost every year when we actually, as we do these things, like looking Underneath Everybody it. does, yeah. It's fine, yeah. like, yeah. things of spaghetti, things of Cheerios, things that go underneath. It's like, it's like we, we like, almost expect to find things underneath there. Like, we really don't need to check. You don't need to, because that stuff is bottle. So, if you ever do move it, and listen, it's, uh-huh. it's not a bad idea to clean it once a year. I mean, you don't want, <laughs> you know... You might, you know, you don't want other things to find what is lurking underneath there. So, you know, so... You know, if it takes a second to vacuum it out, whatever. Like, you know, it's not, it's not a problem to do it. But from a halachic perspective, it is just, it's unnecessary. It's not a necessary move. Generally, things that we find under there, we're just not going to care about. But toys, we have lots of toys downstairs. If I, on pizza, take some out, I can't be sure that there might be stuff in there that, that they, they might eat, small kids might eat. So, so I, any toys that I bring out... On Pesach, I clean before? Not clean. Look at. Look through. See, like we say clean. No clean. Look. What if the kids put them in the mouth? Put what? Lego is not chametz. I know, but from the previous kid, there could be some stuck So that, 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 that kind of stuff is not. You don't worry. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Insofar as we're, as you said, we're actually looking for chametz. Why the recommendation to clean up the garbage can, which is disgusting. 
Hang on. Okay, we'll get to we'll get to, so something like a garbage can, if there is an accumulation of stuff in there, and you're messing with it. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you have um, a bunch of cookie crumbs in the bottom of the garbage can, and you um, you know you're going to take out the garbage, and you're standing in the middle of the kitchen, and you go and you pull up the bag, and then the crumbs come flying out, and then gets on stuff. You're in trouble. Right, so that is the type of thing. Now, what about we have garbage cans out on the street, you know, like we have our outdoor cans. Is that the type of thing that somebody, so technically a person can do bittle and say that it's gone. Um, what many people are no hake to do is to, since we know kind of there's something in there, you, we spray it with some kind of, we'll get to that in a second, some kind of caustic cleaner, and then we just render it null and void. And then we don't worry that maybe somehow this is going to end up back in my, again, how is it going to end up back in your, who knows, right? But the, the, the dreck on the bottom of the inside of your garbage can is not really the super concern. If you have, I'll tell you what can be of concern, is so let's say, I mean, this year happens to work out nice, um, with garbage pickup and when Pesach happens, it does not always work that way. So let's say you have, somebody ate cookies, Oreo cookies, and there's a package of Oreo cookies that they put into the garbage and you put that into your garbage. So we, in our first world country, um, you know, upper middle class existence, we call that garbage. It's not, there's nothing wrong with it. So. Are, are, we are, in a sense, owning chametz. Can we say that our bittel is going to make it ownerless and therefore, um, technically, I guess perhaps that would work, but we generally um, try not to just rely on that. And therefore, we really do make the, the, the minhag of Klal Yisrael has been to get rid of the stuff that we can get rid of the dust and the crumbs and the really, really minute stuff or the stuff that's underneath something that's just doesn't need to be moved, that's not something that is part of, uh, let's say, this minhug that Klaisol has. Now, going, if some, it, it is not, I will say this also, it is not an absurdity to go and try to eradicate every crumb. If a person, there is, is a person, there, there's a line between insanity and chumrah is a person within the, the realm of Chumrah? Yeah, yeah. And, and Chumrah the Pesach is a thing. So, but a person has to just, if, if you have the time and you have the bandwidth and you have the energy to be able to do all that and still function as a regular person, um, good for you. If you don't, then you really have to make your uh, decisions about where do you want to focus your energies. Okay. I'm not worried about that being said, that being said, let's say garbage pickup was on Thursday. I think in the past, at least, we, we have been instructed that it would be okay to put out your trash bag, bag, not can, and, and, and put it out there and be mavatalit and say it's hefker and... Off your but, property. And, at, at the curb, which is the county property. Yes. So we have done that. Yes. So it's not really out of your... That is out of your shows. Yeah, because you're being mafkir it, 
And yeah, it is something that is, so we, we get stuck. Can, yeah, yeah. You could put the can out there. You could put the can out there and you could be mafkir what's in the can. It is, but again, it's like, it depends. So, there, there are, are shyness about that. Hmm? Yeah. Different, different year. Yeah. Okay. Can you give it to your neighbor? If they, um, you saying like to to be. Yeah, friends with your neighbors could say, "I have an extra bag of garbage. Can I give it to you to go out in three days?" Yeah. Yeah, sure. Not, not Jewish. Yes, not Jewish. Right. Very good. Right. All right. Okay. So. Okay, so, so again, it's like this idea that, that when we know that we do have chametz, we do try to actually eradicate it as opposed to just like say, hefker, hefker, hefker. That is a real thing. So, so that, that's, that is something of value that we do. Um, okay, now those guidelines are great for the whole house, but when it comes to the kitchen, there is a whole nother level of concern because chametz is usher to ingest. There is an iser kares if one ingests, if one eats chametz on Pesach. So it is a super serious uh, prohibition. And therefore, and, and as a result of the kares and of the seriousness of this prohibition, we are not allowed to rely on any form of bittel the concept of that we have by milchiks and fleshiks, that if a drop of milchiks would somehow come into your fleshik stuff, we don't care because if it's less than a 60th, it's null and void. That concept does not apply on Pesach. So therefore, even though we have milchik pots that go on our stovetops and, it has an, and there's an oven hood up there, and then we'll do fleshiks afterwards and not think about it, that is milchiks fleshik stuff. But... The idea that when it comes to chametz, maybe there's one little molecule of chametz that's going to come off um, the, 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 the top of the, you know, the, 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 the oven hood and come down into your Pesach Tika stuff, that is of concern. And therefore, when it comes to the kitchen and when it comes to areas involving eating, we are much more careful, much more stringent, much more uptight about it with the caveat that it has to be logical, that there is logic here. This is not magic, and chametz does not just appear in random strange places. There are certain rules of physics, like gravity, that apply. Therefore, if one has a juncture between their counter and the floor, and with some grout there, um, that's not a problem unless you lick it. There's, there's nothing that could be there. There's no need to clean between the tiles if you're not planning to lick it. So that, that type of stuff, again, it's like we're very careful, but it's with logic and understanding of what we are trying to do. Yes? Hey, hand was up? No, so okay. There's no vittle on a device level, right? In other words, like a very small amount no bittle. No bittle. Two reasons given. One is because there's kares. The other is because it's a davr she'eshlomatirin. It's something that ultimately becomes mutter after Pesach. So therefore, it can't become bottle. 
So that's why we are so hung up about what goes on in our kitchens. And again, gravity is a big thing. And there's another tool that we have at our disposal, which is the idea that the smallest, so I could say to myself, yeah, listen, that crumb, I don't consider that food. I don't consider that important. That's really old. That's really gross. That's really, th- that doesn't, like, that, that we would consider it non-food or non-important is not relevant. However, if something really does objectively become nifsal me'achilas kelef, something that even a dog would not desire or want to or be able to ingest, then it becomes non-food. Therefore, with a handy bottle of, name your favorite, caustic cleaner, one can take any kind of uh, fear that, hey, maybe there's a little chametz over here. You give it a spray, and even if there is something there, it's dead. For all intents and purposes, for what we're afraid of, that is no longer considered a food an, a, a food grade um, uh, item, and therefore it is not something that we would be concerned about. So a lot of times when, when we have uh, something that may be hard to clean, that is sometimes the solution. Yeah. So like ceramic, my kitchen, my old kitchen always looked like the inside of Star Wars. So if you put a ceramic tiles behind, behind the stove and you clean it with like a bleach cleaner, you don't have to cover that with Correct. But you do have to cover the, the hood above it. So hang on. So, so we're going to go piece by piece over here. All right? We'll go piece by piece on the kitchen. All right. So let's start with the refrigerator and freezer. Okay. Refrigerator, freezer. What one has to do is one should clean. Again, this is a place where our food is going in and out and in, in and out. This is a pretty sensitive place. So the, the halacha is clean it thoroughly. Clean it thoroughly. Um, it has to pass the eye test. That's number one. If there are corners or there are stains, and I'm not sure, is that a stain? Is that something real? What if my pan rubs against it and then it comes off onto my pan and then I beg it? Uh, right? Very simple solution. Clorox. All right? Fantastic. Whatever it is. Just spray it and it's gone and you're good to go. Some people have a minhug to line the shelves. And it goes for refrigerators. The minhug to line a refrigerator shelf really only dates back as far as the refrigerator. So um, that's not such an ancient minhug. But the idea, it's the same thing with cabinets and drawers. There is a minhug that when it comes to these food locations, and again, keep in mind what their furniture must have looked like and what their cabinets must have looked like and you know, the flour being embedded in different corners, and they didn't have these kinds of sprays. So... Um, so there was a minhug to line shelves. If that's your minhug or that's your thing, just go for it. Um, but it is not a necessary thing. The only real halachic impact on, let's say, if somebody would have, uh, if, if somebody wonders, like, what could possibly go wrong if I had a refrigerator shelf and I did not line it? What could go wrong? What could go wrong is that if once upon a time you had something that was absolutely scalding hot and you put it down directly on that refrigerator shelf and there were some crumbs of chametz underneath it that would have, so to say, baked that into the surface 
And then on Pesach, you take a scalding hot pan of something, super hot, and you put it down and there's some sort of liquid or some sort of medium in between them, it could technically draw that absorption in the refrigerator shelf out into the pan. Chances of that happening, very close to zero. Yes? Does it matter what the shelves are made out of? If it's a glass shelf, if it's a metal shelf, if it's a plastic shelf? I mean, honestly, this is, it, it is, it is such a remote possibility of something like that really ever happening. Super, super remote for it to actually have the ability to transfer taste with such heat. What? Yeah, yeah, it would have to be super hot. We generally, in a refrigerator, mm-hmm. right, it's generally not good for the refrigerator to put super hot things. People usually wait for them to cool off a little bit to put them in. So I'm just saying, it's not something that, like, really happens a lot. So, yes? So maybe you're going to cover this, but if it's, if it's a cabinet that um, I always have food in it, it's like a pantry in my kitchen, but do I... Can I just seal it up and just not use it? So hang on. Yeah, yeah. I can go and clean and this and that. I can just close it up and say it's fun. Yes. Anything that you are... So, so yeah, okay, let's... Anything... Your toaster oven, your mixer, these things, so they're, they're not kosherable. Just put them away. Now, before I put them away, do I have to clean it and make it absolutely spick and span? No, you don't. Because you are selling the chametz that is on and attached and around it. Who wants to buy it? Whoever buys the chametz wants to buy it. That's it. That's his, you know, he knows he's getting that kind of stuff. And you could put it into a cabinet. And the cabinet could have all kinds of crumbs and whatever in it. That's also not a necessary thing. If your microwaves are attached or built in and can't be put away, can you just seal them? Yeah. 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 Tape it closed. Yeah. Okay. We'll get to the microwave soon. Hang on. Okay. So the refrigerator. So if you do not line your shelf, the, the absolute solution to this problem of let's say this is just don't put something piping hot directly on the refrigerator shelf during those eight days. It's really just a, like every time I think about how much money we spend on the food and this and that, I'm just like, it's eight days. It's eight days, people. What are we doing? But somehow it doesn't stop anything, but um, just... So it's just eight days. Don't put not to put things down. Um, in the hard to reach places in the refrigerator, use again. Just spray it with a caustic cleaner, and forget about it. Handles, the handle of a refrigerator, and really anything else in your kitchen. Again, these are places that really will get a lot of chametz on and in them because you're making a dough, you're doing something. Uh, then you, you need to grab an egg from the refrigerator, so your hand is going to be full of. Literal chametz, and you're going to be grabbing the handle. Maybe it gets embedded in the little cracks in the... Yes. So some people will cover them. And some people will... Although those things never stay. But, and some people will... Again, all you have to do really is just spray the handle with that cleaner, and you are good. So you don't need to cover You do not need to. No. No. Um, okay. The... Okay, so now cabinets, let's just talk about the cabinets. Cabinets have is basically the same exact thing as a refrigerator. If, if you're closing up for Pesach, close it up. Very, very important. Very important. When we close things up for Pesach, it does not mean that we put a little cute sticker on it that says chametz. 
because that will not stop regular people from doing what they normally do, right? It, you could have you know, notes all over the place, but how often do we forget things that we know that we're supposed to do and we even have a note right there that tells us to do it? The idea is that it has to be closed off, sealed, in, in a way that like really is reminder slash preventative of you opening it. So whether you're gonna tie, use string, or whether you're gonna use some sort of like significant form of tape that's gonna be on the handle so that you can't, um, you know, I, I know of uh, a, a rabbi who dealt with that on the, um, on, on the sixth, on Erev, the last days, the person went 45 minutes before Yom Tov and pulled the roast out of, pulled the, 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 the meal, the, the roast for the Suda out of the oven, looked down and said, these oven mitts have a lot of flour on them. Why? Oh, whoops, I by mistake took them out of the regular cabinet that had post-it note that said chametz on it. Well, guess what? That didn't matter. It, so th- these things happen. People just space out, especially if you have mishpacha, if you have family that comes. And then some years, this drawer is the one that's the chametz one, and this one is the Pesach one, and then one year you switch it. And this, uh, nobody, you, people aren't following your thought process necessarily. Just be, that's something to just be cognizant of, that somebody's not going to go and grab a spoon from, be helpful and grab a spoon from the wrong drawer. You just don't want that to happen. Yeah. They all have a way. Yeah. What do you do? Davin. Davin. Yeah. Davin. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I'm saying like. Yeah. I mean, there, there is with with drawers especially. There is only so much you could do because there's no leverage. Like, it, it's very hard. Like, you tie it to like a different door and that, or you. The child locks, okay, right, right. Okay, um, let's move to, sto- to ovens, ovens and stoves. Okay, so someone who has a gas stove top, the grates, the grates are the thing that the pots rest on. Those things need to be koshered. There are two ways, I'm talking about no glass top. I'm talking, you know, regular, good old-fashioned gas oven. You take the grates. You can, option one, put them into a self-cleaning oven. It will likely, it will, they will, they will be fine. They will be fit. Their physical structure will be fine. If they have some sort of nice finish, that may be finished. That, that, that may not last through it. Alternatively, you can put a blech on top of the burners turn on each burner for about 10 minutes underneath that will contain the heat underneath the under underneath that area and around that area that it will kosher that grate so after the after which uh, first of all before which the grates do not have to be cleaned the theory is that it will get so hot under there that whatever real stuff is there whatever is absorbed in there it is toast not the chametz type. It is gone. It's burnt. It's, it's ash. And therefore, it is all gone. 
That is, so therefore, now, don't turn on all the burners at the same time. Safety thing, it's just, it's going to get way too hot under there. Not safe, not a good idea. So, but, but just do one at a time, and then one ends up koshering all of their grates. The middle thingy that the fire comes out of is self-koshering, so you do not have to worry about that. The underneath of it, so directly underneath that grate, uh, there are different approaches, the drip pan, they call it. So there are different approaches as to what to do with it. Um, some will just clean it. Others say that you cover it. But either way is really okay. If you do not cover it, here's the, the catch is, right? The catch is, if you don't cover it, to say that that area actually became koshered is not so simple. Based on the material, based on the way the heat works, apparently it doesn't get as hot, as smoking hot down there. Therefore, if anything would fall on the surface of the stove, you would have to throw it away. That's it. So if you have like a continuous grate type of thing, so you cache all the different areas where there are fire things. And if something would fall through the grates, I don't know what one would do the rest of the year with it, but on Pesach, we throw it away. That's it. That's the, you know, so if you're clumsy when frying things, cover it. Um, that's, that, that's, the, that, that's what you have to do over there. I'm not talking about the enamel between the burners, are you? Or are you talking about directly under the burner where there's the... You know, even in between, technically... So, okay, so I'm talking about, like, let's say you have five burners... Right, so then like the whole thing is really burner, and then there are grates that just cover the whole top. If you have like the old old school burner, burner, a grate over each one, and then the middle island in the between, that middle island, it's not getting captured in any way, shape, or form. It's a good idea to cover it so that in case a pot or some food lands there, you're, it's, and you should cover it with two la- a double layer of foil. If you have continuous grates, you have much less of a concern about what's going on underneath because your pot, even if, you, even if it slips out of your hand, it's landing on the grate. It's not landing on what's underneath the grate. So really the only stuff that can land down there is stuff that, smaller things that you drop that you may throw out anyway. I don't know what the, I don't, I don't know what a person would normally do with that. But many people will cover it, it just, Worry-free at that point, yes. So if you don't cover it, it's, if it's stainless steel, then you don't cover that part that you're talking right. about. You have continuous grates. You're saying, should you cover it, or can you just, if it falls there, just don't use it? If it falls there, you can just not use it. You don't have to cover it. You don't. But if you did cover it and it fell through, not that you're going to move the grate and grab whatever fell through. Then you can, you, but you could. You could if, it, if you could. Yeah, if you needed it, you could get it, yeah. Only for the food that dry. There's no concern that that area that it was hot and it had comments before, and that it would generate heat. The same thing you're talking with the refrigerator thing. I've always covered it. So the only the only so the only way chametz can emerge is if there is some form of a medium that's going to take it out of that surface and shove it into your thing. Mm-hmm. So because they're disconnected, because you have the grate, grate that's holding it up, nothing could really happen that would make that happen. Heat, 
the heat alone is not going to cause that. It has to be some form of uh, heavy steam, but even if there's tremendous pool of water down there, it's going to come up around the fire. The fire is going to evaporate that stuff. It's, you wouldn't have to worry about it. Many people will cover that bottom area. I just know some people get... I would, I would keep doing it. I, yeah, I, I, don't, if that's what you do, don't mess. You don't need to cover No, that's, no, unnecessary, unnecessary. How long do you leave the burners on? Five minutes? Ten. Ten minutes. Ten minutes is totally good. Um, the knobs. Knobs clean with ammonia. Some people will cover them, whatever. If you just clean it with some sort of, you know, again, caustic cleaner, that's good enough. Some people will cover them. <coughs> not, not absolutely necessary. Yes? I just want to give a uh, warning. I did knob. I did clean my knobs with cleaner, cost cleaner. They have numbers on them. Yeah. yeah. The whole thing came off. Oh. Just to let yeah. everybody know. Yeah. So. That's why I had to buy new ones. That's why I had to buy new ones also. Really? So the numbers just come off? Yeah. Look at that. Okay. One other public service announcement. One year, the outlet, you got to know where the heat comes out of the outlet. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. That's a big thing. Okay. Um, one last thing, backsplash. So two forms of backsplash. One form of backsplash is that the oven itself, like the, the dials are on the back. That, that, that is a, so that thing, again, should you cover it, should you not? If your pots are going to bump up against it, it's a good idea to cover it. But, again, cleaning it with a super caustic cleaner is fine if your pots don't hit it. If you, it just, it kind of depends on how, if you have little burners, big pots, you know, they're, they're, they're bumping all over the place and they might bump up against that wall and that's what happens when you cook. So then it's not a bad idea to cover it. That's if you're, you know, the, the dials are in the back and it's really up close to your, where your burner is. If you just have like, you know, either the, the dials are down here and you really don't have much going on back there and you just have a wall area Again, if your pots touch it, maybe you want to cover it. That's not, nor that's not a normal setup, I think, for an oven. And therefore, all you would have to do is clean that, clean it. Okay, the oven, yeah? Okay, so well, <coughs> the display that's in the back, mm -hmm. you don't have to cover that, right? For sure. No, so just cost the cleaner, yeah. Just use. Now, the oven vents, way back in, the so once upon a time, I think a lot of the ovens had the dials in the back. And then the vent was somewhere underneath there. It came out-ish around there somewhere. Newer models, they have it that through the back, usually right burner, there's a vent. Like covering those vents are just dangerous in all kinds of ways. Don't do it. And you really identify where that is. In, like we've discussed, we discussed last year also, and we discussed in our kashrus here that, that there is a kashrus, in general, kashrus concern. That's a vent. If you have something very liquidy, flacious inside your oven, sometimes you could see steam coming up through there. If you have a kettle or a milchik pat sitting over that vent, that could cause a real kashrus problem. So in general, you just shouldn't have things hanging out around the vent. It's just not a good place for things to be. Okay, um, if one has an electric stovetop, 
So then you clean the, clean the burners, you turn them on to a glow for, so it happens to be that they glow in two minutes. In two minutes, they will get to their full temperature. I just learned that this year. So I write to do it for 10 minutes. I think there's still a benefit to doing it a little bit longer than, but, um, and then you cover the, all, the you know, the, again, the, the island in the middle, the surface that's not the burners themselves, you cover those with a double layer of foil. And the drip plans, drip pans, some people will, first of all, you could just buy new ones for a few bucks and just have them, keep them every year for Pesach. Might be the simplest thing. You can clean them. Some people will cover them. Be careful if you're covering them that you don't have the foil getting too close to the, to the burner. Again, that also is just something that can cause problems. There is a new thing, okay? And I happen to be the proud owner of one where this is called a Sensi Temp thingy. Um, and I don't know if thingy is a real word, but uh, so what this does is it creates an automatic shutoff that when the temperature gets too hot, it's an automatic shutoff that makes the burner turn down. So where, where does it shut off at? It shuts off at, according to the GE website, at 450 degrees. The temperature at which something could be even like kosher light is the temperature at which paper burns, which is, literature people, Fahrenheit, Larry Fahrenheit 451, right? So, this actually, so I actually, I, I actually did an experiment this year to see if I would put something over this, like a, like a blech type of thing, and leave it on for 10 minutes, and then pull it off, and then touch a piece of paper to here, would it ignite? And it did not. So these things don't get hot enough to be koshered. Now, in the olden days, these things were really, there was always a middle piece, but it was always just something else, and it was descended, and it didn't touch the pot, so it wasn't really relevant did it get hot enough? Did it not get hot enough? This actually is designed to touch the pot. Therefore, the way to kosher this, which is really annoying, is that first you clean this very well, the middle thing. Then you do eroy over it. You pour hot water over it. Then you go and kosher the rest of it. And I imagine you probably wait a little bit to get the electronic stuff so to dry out. You could put it in the sink and put the boiling water over the middle piece of the sink, right? Yes. But then, just fair warning, there are wires in here. And it's, you know, so. That's not a candidate for self-cleaning No, no, this will, it will fry. Don't put it in the self-cleaning oven. Yeah. Yeah. This is only an issue if your middle piece ends up touching the pot. Correct. Yes. Whether it's that kind or some other kind. Correct. Then. This kind is worse because it's designed to shut it down when it hits a high temperature. If it didn't have that sensor in there, then it would get hot enough that it would probably self-kosher. Probably. Okay. So okay. that's why in past years, like a couple of, they just put this, I think this was 2019 that they started doing this. But before that, they never discussed this because it wasn't a thing. It just the whole thing became hot enough. That's a new thing. That's a newish issue. When I first got those, I was wondering if it's a Shabbos problem. If I put it hot on top, and I turned off everything, but I put something on, does it? Does it? No, it's not, it no. It makes the sound like you're turning yeah. something on. Yeah, it's just like off. a uh, snare drum or something, right? Um, yeah, it's not. I don't think it's a. 
Yes. Yeah, very good. Yeah, yes, yes. You have to wait. You have to clean it. Wait 24 hours and then pour the hot water over it. And then I'm just guessing, wait a little longer before you plug it back in because it's wet and... Things, all those things, the oven and the stovetop, that is also waiting in 24 hours, right? No. You can no. This is, because we're just doing water pouring, the other type of koshering, like the self-clean koshering and the blech method on top of grates, that is called libun chamor, in which it means that it is pulverizing, eradicating, um, destroying whatever is on it and in it in a way with super intense 900, 700 plus degree heat, and therefore it does not require any 24 hours of waiting. 24 hours of waiting is only when you're trying to purge something as opposed to destroying something. That's the, that, that's the difference. And, and you may require 10 minutes of this, the calls being on because I, I, I stand there after five minutes. So I have five minutes is fine. Five minutes, I, two, I, I saw that they say in two minutes it gets as hot as it's gonna get. I believe him. Okay, on the other hand, some parts of the coil don't seem to be getting so red as other parts. Uh, does one have to worry about no. even burning? Or... Wouldn't worry about it. So five minutes is enough? Yeah. Okay, if you have a glass or ceramic stovetop, no. um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not so simple. You can't really cover the glass. It's, it's very, it makes it very difficult. Um, the, 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 the way to maneuver around that is, first of all, clean it all very, very well. The areas that glow underneath it, you turn those around until they're fully glowed, for, until they're glowing, do that for like 15 minutes. And then you get metal discs that you put over the burner area. And those metal discs are what you rest your pot on. The issue is that it is part of this continuous thing and there are definitely areas that are not being koshered. So your pot, especially if you have a wider pot, is potentially touching an area that's not kosher. That's number one. Number two is that if something would spill over, which happens, and then there's a liquid that is connecting your pot with some other distant area that maybe has some chametz embedded in it, causing that to connect, and that's problematic. So that's why by having the metal discs that lifts it off the surface, and therefore even if a liquid comes down or even if your pot is hanging off, it's not touching the unkoshered glass area. But don't cover that area. The disco on the area above the coil? Yeah. The heat, but what about the rest of the area? You, you shouldn't put a pot down on that. No, no, no. You can't put your pot anywhere on the glass other than on the disc. So just, but if you have discs throughout the whole area, then... Right, but that might be... I'm, the safety concern of that is that if you cover it, cover even the... If you cover the whole thing and there's no place for the heat to diffuse out of, the, grass, the, the, the glass cracks. Well, but the whole thing would be all covered at one time. In other words, if, you, if you're lifting the pot off of the burner area right. and then you're putting it on an empty spot... Uh, with with it somehow is raised up. Yeah, that's good. Yep, that's fine. That's fine. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, fine. Warming drawers are not pressurable. Okay. Self cleaning ovens. Self cleaning ovens um, will generally get to above seven hundred degrees. That is the 
require temperature for koshering. If, uh, if your oven does not do that, some new, newer ovens, in order to preserve um, stuff, they, they, they don't want them to get so hot. Uh, it uses a lot of electricity. It's not good for the environment, that kind of stuff. So, um, so therefore, th- those are more problematic because they're not kosherable in that way. So what does one do if you have a, uh, a non-self-cleaning oven or if your self-cleaning oven doesn't work the way it's supposed to? So, um, I've heard that KitchenAid, it doesn't go so high, that that oven, newer KitchenAid ovens don't go that high. Um, you can call the manufacturer and ask. I've heard that those go to 600, and 600 is not hot enough to be considered a fully self-clean type of oven. Um, otherwise, it would be called Aqualift. There are different, they, they would call it steam clean. They, there, there are different words that they use in order to indicate that it's not a super hot self-cleaning oven. If your oven has one of those bars and it locks and it gets really hot, you can generally assume that that's what it's doing. Um, as far as the self-cleaning oven is concerned, the racks self-clean, so that's part of the, that's part of the deal. Um, the oven door and frame do not get as hot. Therefore, it is what one should do is before self-cleaning, you clean that area well with, e- you know, with easy off. You use easy off, especially around the gasket area. Make sure to do that. And some hold that you should cover the door with foil. Some do, some don't. All good. Um, standard ovens and racks... No, inside. You cover the inside of the yeah. door with foil. Okay, so, so uh, you know, ovens, again, that don't have the self-cleaning operating or that they don't reach the 700-degree mark. So what you do is you clean it super-duper well, and that means super-duper well getting out every single stain from the oven interior using Easy Off. If you have used Easy Off and there are still stubborn stains in there, try one more time, spray it directly with Easy Off, and then if you've easy off to twice and it's not going anywhere, it's not going to go anywhere. And therefore, forget about it. Um, and then you wait 24 hours and then you put the oven on the highest temperature. Leave it for at least an hour. It's best to do two hours. Um, and then then your oven is koshered. In order to swell, they don't do this method. This is something that... Uh, actually, Ravon Cutler was, uh, was, was, he was the, the, the matir in America for using this. And this is something that was kind of standard until all the self-cleaning stuff came into vogue. This is only if you don't have a self-cleaning Only without a self-cleaning oven. You have a self-cleaning oven, self-clean it, and then forget about it. Yeah. And you can put it on, what, three hours to your self-cleaning oven? I would do like the standard amount. Like whatever it, whatever it automatically goes to. I wouldn't lower it. I would keep it at whatever it, I wouldn't, I, you don't think you have to raise it, but I would just do it like whatever it sets to. Like when you push the self-clean button, just do that. Then you know that it's gonna get to that temperature. Yeah. They have a self-clean. 
Right, but they don't want you to use it. They want you to use the water thing. The Aqualift, right. They do, they just say don't do it. It might hurt your oven, but I, we've checked and they say that if you just do it once a year, it's not going to Okay, happen. and it gets, it gets super hot? Yeah, it's a okay. self-clean. It's a self-clean. Yeah. Okay. Some of them have exclusively Aqualift. Right, there are right, those. So, right. right. So, those, yeah. Do you, do you need to wait 24 hours before using the self-cleaning? No. Self-clean is, again, it's like, it's the Liborn Chamor, and therefore, it just kills. So, there's, it's, the difference, anything that's a purge requires that 24 hours. Anything that's a, it's coming in and it's coming to get you, so then that is a, that does not require any waiting before. What, what about the inside of the door? Is that... You don't have to worry about that. Yeah, it's a good Self-cleaning. question. Self-cleaning, yeah. You don't have to do it 24 hours. Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. Um, but it's a good question. Yes? Just out of curiosity, what do they do in Eretz Yisrael? You said in America, this is what we do for the non-self-cleaning ovens. In Eretz Yisrael, you know what they do? They use the stovetop. They don't kosher their ovens. They don't kosher. Right. Now, nowadays, I wonder if there's just a lot more self-cleaning ovens. I lived there 25 years ago. They have, they have things called, uh, they have something called the Wonder Pot. Right. They sell inserts, the Wonder Pots. The Wonder Pot is, there are all kinds of, like, interesting things that they do there. Yeah. But they work it out. Okay. A broiler, not a good idea to kosher. Um, so if you have a broiler area... I don't know if they still make those nowadays, but if you have a broiler in your oven, you should clean it, but that's it. Then just don't use it afterwards. You should never use the broil function on your oven. No, if you have a broiler cavity. Okay. So I think those are really old school ovens that have that stuff. Um, okay, an oven hood. So the, what should one do with the hood over? So that again, it's a very sensitive area. Things, what goes up, sometimes comes down. And... That, that's, that's the problem at hand. So one can clean it very well with a caustic cleaner. That is, that can be good enough. A lot of times there's like this mesh thingy up there that's catching all kinds of business. A lot of times it's simplest, in my mind, to just cover it with foil and don't run the fan. If you run the fan and the, the foil's on, well, it's not gonna go so good. But um, that's this, again, it's eight days. We could just, you know, but it's, it's very simple to just cover it and then you don't have to think about how am I gonna turn upside down and spray that stuff without getting it in my face and you could just cover it and forget about it. Um, outdoor grills, not recommended to kosher. Um, microwaves, not really recommended to kosher. There are, there's a machlokis between different poskim about whether they're kosherable or not. Um, I recommend if somebody really does use a microwave a lot, and they need it for Pesach, so just get one for Pesach and just stick it on a counter. Uh, you, can get, you can get them pretty cheap. Okay, metal sinks. How does one kosher a metal sink? Anybody have an enamel sink? Oh, Hashem. Everybody's moving along, right? Uh, my mother still has an enamel sink. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's called uh, rent control in New York. Um, so, okay, in a metal sink, what do we do? We clean it extremely thoroughly. We pour some sort of Drano slash ammonia down the drain. So because, logic being, in case there's some sort of backup over Yomtev, then you don't have to worry that there's some sort of chametz in there that's going to back up and somehow cause problems. Don't worry about that. And then we do not use hot water in the sink for 24 hours. That's step one. 
then we use a kosher for Pesach best, kosher for Pesach pot, and we pour boiling water on every single spot in the sink. Now, this is just a thing that people don't always realize. The idea is that the pour hit every spot in the sink. If you use a kettle, it will be the equivalent of trying to um, uh, paint the Sistine Chapel with a number two pencil. It is not a smart idea. You have a very, very small stream of water and you're trying to cover this larger area. The bigger the thing that you use, the wider the poor area that it's coming from, the simpler and faster it will be. Thus, the square pot is a very, very handy thing. I learned this actually a trick from in Star K. So when they go to a hotel and they have to kasha these huge counters, what do they do is, don't try this at home, because they take these humongous rectangular thick heavy metal pans, put them onto the industrial stovetop, turn on five burners, boil water in it, and then they just hold it like this and walk this way. And then the whole counter becomes cashed at once. There's one long waterfall coming down and it's cashed in this huge wide swath of area. That's the, right, dangerous, true. Don't try this at home, folks, but it's a, now, for the, for the regular person, you could take something like this. And over here, when you pour, your area, instead of it being a little kettle wide, is this wide. Even if you use, a, if you use like a large pot, Again, since it's round, it will come down into a more uh, narrow type of, type of uh, you know, hit spot, you know, a spot that it's going to hit. But again, the, the wider your pot, the bigger the, the, the area that you have, the better off you're going to be in being able to make sure that you are hitting every spot on your sink. Yes? All in like, so, you know, you use one of those and you half your sink, and then you can do it again, and get the other half the sink, right? You don't need to kind of do it all in one note. Correct. It doesn't have to be in one shot, and yeah, I mean, with this, usually it takes four, I mean, each side, you know, you just go, and again, along the wall, you start up against the upper part of the wall, and you just, you don't have to, like, go down, you just move backward, so then the pour, so the pour is coming out over here, it's hitting the wall here. You move it back, where's it gonna hit the wall? Lower. So as you move back, you're really hitting, move back slowly, you're really hitting the whole wall of the sink. So you start up against the top side of the sink and you just back it up slowly and you are going to be getting all up and down the side, the side, the side, and then the bottom. So, so you're saying the water, it only touches where it hits the sink directly, not where it Not where it pours down. So, you have a big, um, if we have a big pot to boil up all the water and then take a small thing to dip it in. You can't, you, you can't just, we took, we took, put that on another burner, wait for it to reboil again. It's just, you know, it's boiling properly. Wait for it to reboil again in that pot. But what, I guess, what I'm getting at is, you can't just say, take a smaller pot, dip it into this big monster's boiling thing of water, and then go to your sink, which is now kind of like a cliche. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Very good, right.
We're using the crystal pesach pie. So, and it's being boiled on the stove top. So the, the stove top should be crystal pesach first, I assume. Yes and no. Meaning that a little, so very similar to a blech is a pot. So you could technically kosher your burner, like one burner of your stovetop. Let's say for whatever reason you're not ready to do your stovetop yet. You could really kosher one area of that by just taking an empty Pesach pick a pot, putting it down on top of it, turning on the flame for five minutes, whatever it is, and then it's kosher. Underneath that is kosher. Wait a minute, so you made a hummus stick pot on top of the Any pot. Burner. Any pot on top of the burner. Because you are creating that heat thing under there. Oh, we don't want gas, gas. Yeah, gas though, yeah. Theoretical uh, situation where somebody had a 1960 kitchen that was never remodeled and only has one sink, what would be the point of cautioning that? Because everybody would know that inflation was in there, it's true. So what is the point of cautioning that for a because for Pesach, so again, if a person would want, the, the, the issue is, is that we are not somech for Pesach on the concept of, well, whatever's absorbed in there is more than 24 hours old. Um, we, we, that, those are not, the, whatever it is, it's bottle. We, we can't be reliant on any of that stuff. So therefore, if you have a sink and, so, and your pot is going to touch with some form of hot water, the wall of the sink, you put a pot down in the sink and it's going to, even if you have a grate and it touches the wall of the sink, you have a problem. If a person has an enamel sink or if a person doesn't want to bother koshering the metal sink, which again, you don't have to do this. You could just cover it. So what, what the old school thing to do is to use, somehow contact paper was always the victim of this. Um, you take contact paper, you put it on the inside and Lo and behold, it does not last for a long time in water, but that's the way it goes. And then you'd put a rack down, and then you'd have a basin in there, and you could function like that. And it's fine. It's fine. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong, per se, with doing that. Why do people do that? I only have one sink. Why do people do that? It's just because it's just, you just want to be able to use your sink in a sort of a normal fashion, and that allows you to do it. The concern is that if you Then it will absorb into the pot, and now your pot has become chametzdek because we don't have all of the normal tools that we rely on to <coughs> function in just a regular basubahalov world. Yeah. Um, okay. The the knobs pour hot water over them too, if they're metal, especially. Some people cover them. You know, that depends on what your what your thing is. Yeah. Did, yeah, then I would cover them, right? Just put something over them. Um, and again, the concern is that somehow your pot would touch the knob. Like, again, it's like it's a pretty... There's a logic in what would really cause a problem. So if the f- cover comes off of the knob, big deal. You know. Okay, so the aerator, it's best to replace. Okay? The aerator is the little thingy that's underneath, that, that the water comes out of. It looks like a, right? The screen, thank you. Right, so, that, so it's good to just buy another one and just save it every year for Pesach. Um, the spout, you turn it up, you turn the water on hot, you pour hot water 
over that while the hot water is running out of it. That's how, um, that's how we kasher those. Oh, even those are, Sometimes they are, yeah. I mean, it depends if you... If they're not metal... If they're not metal, uh, it might be a good idea to cover it. It's, it's questionably kasherable. Put it like that. Um, yeah. The, the the order of operations is not that important. It's it's very like it's like wait, why am I doing that? And then I didn't do the inside of that, right? It it doesn't really matter. Doesn't really matter. Um, the drain strainer, just get a different one. Those are not easy to to clean and kosher properly. Um, and the hose, it's really best not to use it. Just don't don't pull it out. It's it's not really kosherable material. It's very hard to say that it's fully clean. It's just good. Just don't. Eight days. Eight days, people. Right. Um, that that has to be the thought process. Okay. Counters. Counters are um, pure marble and granite are kosherable. Two methods of koshering. One is you pour water over the whole thing. It's not so easy. It's not so. It's it's not so. I don't, I, Easy is a bad word to use. It's, it may not be worth the effort. Put it like that. There is another way of doing it in which you put water on the surface and then you take an iron, put it onto the highest, hold it hovering in the water above the counter until the water bubbles. Then you have boiled water on the counter. People do it, iron your counters. It is a way that people find, once, once you get the hang of it, apparently it's very simple and easy. It doesn't involve a big mess because there's not tons of water going on. It's just like pooling up water in different areas and using you know, uh, your imagination of how to keep the water on the counter. Um, the, the benefit of, so if you do option number one, where you're doing eroy on the counter, what you have accomplished is that you can put your pots down there, put stuff down there. If piping hot food would escape from your pan and land on the counter, really shouldn't be eaten at that point. Because you have koshered your counter and you've purged it from things that, from liquids that poured onto the counter. But you have not purged it from more significant heat, like something solid and piping hot that landed on it. If you do the iron method, then you can even keep the piece of schnitzel that escaped. Let's look back for a minute on the holy ruling thing. Yeah. So when you've, you've got the water boiling in there and it's, it's on your, it's on the heat source, it's boiling, you take it off, the bubbles stop pretty fast. Like, is it still okay? Still good. Still good. Yes. Yes. Even for Chazal, it did that. Okay. That's the way to think about it. Like, they knew that that happened. They're, they're, they're fine with that. Yes. Right. But then you could use it. And listen, you know, I've never, I've, I've actually never really had like a really super good kosherable material. But like, I just think to myself, you know, the first year that you cover your counters, it's a pain in the neck to get the material and to cut it to the right size. But then after that, it's like, it's eight days, you know, just slap that thing on and move on. Okay. Um, okay. Non-pure granite counters um, not a 
um, you know, they should, they, you know, it's best to cover them and not to, not to try to cash with them. Then don't worry about it. Um, dishwashers, not casherable. Um, okay. Uh, da, 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 da. Is there something else I was going to mention? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you put them in the waters after. that are the waters that are yeah you the water. I'll uh, do it after. Waters that are boil, mm-hmm. you stick the chametz stuff in there, mm-hmm. keeping the water at a boil. So to dump a bunch of things in, it's not going to keep the boil rolling. You want to keep the rolling <laughs> boil, one thing in at a time. It just needs to be in for a second, in, out, and then you're supposed to rinse it off with cold water. Afterwards, the pot now has all this chametz business that was just purged from that stuff. Now it's floating around in your Pesach Dekapat, <laughs> right? Like, hey, what's up with that, right? So at that point, after it's old, after all is done, you pour out the water, you boil water in there again, you try to... You let it cool off. <laughs> bathtub. Bathtub. Uh, bathtub, bathtub. Um, then, then, uh, yeah, then, then you boil water again in there, yeah, then boil water again in there, and then you're good to go. Say, yeah, it's a good point. After, so you dumped all your things uh, in there to kasha them, and now it's, and you've done all that. Now you have to dump out the water, and you have to just, like, let it sort of dry, and then pour new water in it, and then reboil it? You have to let it dry, but you pour, it, pour out the water, and then you just do it again. Just run it back. Just boil water in there again. Does it have to boil over? It's best if it boils over. It doesn't... It's not the end of the world if it doesn't. And, and so if you, you can't dump in a lot of different things at the same time, a lot of oil. It's just going to, temperature-wise, it's just not going to keep the so, boil. So the temperature might go down when you re-boil it while all the stuff is in it. Is that okay? That's okay. No. No? No, it's very, very, like, that... Listen, whatever's in your kosos, honestly, okay, ready for this? Shocker. Why are your kosos chametz? Because they're running your dishwasher with everything If they did. Your silver, If they did, big if. So then, maybe they would have some sort of absorption in them. The amount that would come out, again, we're dealing with very negligible things. Um, I think that the minig is not to wait another 24 hours. I'm, I'm, um, pre, before Pesach, you could utilize it a little bit. Good? Yeah. Uh, am I correct that unlike Tobal and Kalim, where you should have it go in all at once, for Kashering, you can dip one end in and then flip it and dip the other end? Yes, you are correct. Yes. Uh, yeah. Piecemeal. It's yeah. like a metal, let's see, you have a, a spring, like a metal, a metal spring, or you put your your coast and metal strainer and you put that into the in, into the um, boil of water and you pull it out again you just is that is that okay? Is that, is the metal strainer is chamet stick? No. No, but you got one you got a new metal strainer for a reason. Yeah it's good. Good idea. Yeah. Smart. Okay. Um
quickly. Um, tables. Uh, tables, we generally will, um, if you have a table pad, people turn it upside down. I don't know why. What? Clean it and cover it. That's it. And again, it's a very good idea to use something that is um, waterproof. Water is the conductor of stuff. So if you have water and then something really hot goes down on top of it, it will potentially bring something out of the table into, through the water into the pot. So if you have something waterproof, so if you have a, go to the, what was used to be known as the dollar store, I think it's the dollar 25 store now, and you get those plastic tablecloths, you put one or two down, because so that, that they rip, whatever, that's it. That's, then then you're, you are good to go. Um, tablecloths and towels, a lot of people have separate ones for Pesach, but if you don't, you can launder them in hot water with detergent. It's fine. Um, uh, we, uh, garbage cans, people clean well. Just again, spray it with caustic cleaner. Nothing to worry about. Outdoor trash cans we discussed already. Um, you know, best is to spray it with bleach in there, just to you know, chuck a little bleach in, and then you're good. What about the starch that sometimes in the garbage bags? Or garbage, garbage bags are fine. Starch, 90, 99% of starch in America, in, like in, let's use a lot of food stuff now, is um, corn. So... It's, it's very rarely a true ingestion issue. Um, it's, it, kidneys is bottle on, on Pesach, number one, and you, you're allowed to benefit from it. You're allowed to have it around. So it's not such a... Can you put more about garbage cans around food? Like, like edible food and food? With the garbage bags? Yeah, rubbing. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, walls above the counters, again, and the underside of cabinets, spray them, clean them, should be fine. If you have like an area that like you have your mixer and you're always making challah there and there's flour flying up, be more careful over there. So you could you could very logically treat it like an oven hood and just put a little piece of foil there. See you later. Um, light switches, doorknobs, clean well. Clean well, because again, those are things that we are, our hands are full of stuff and we touch them. Um, a phone, clean it well. Those things go. Did you say to put these in a bag? Some people say that about the, the house phones, if people still have those. Um, Just like, like, I'm still talking like light switches, like, like typically we're concerned about the kitchen now. Yeah, the kitchen is more of a concern because your hands are full of stuff and then. I wouldn't go wild about that, yeah. Um, unless you eat around your house, you know. Depends how you do that. Um, uh, high chairs, okay, you clean them well. People cover them. Uh, chairs. So now, people do make a big deal about cleaning chairs. Unless you put chairs away like a saloon, not really such a big deal because the chairs are generally lower than the table. So any chametz that may be in the back cracks of the chairs generally not getting to your food. So again, what are we worried about? We're worried that there is, that, that there may be a crumb in the, you know, tucked in the back there. Okay, not the end of the world. That it's going to get into my food, problem. Things that are lower than the table, generally that's not going to be an issue. So it doesn't have to be something you go wild about. Um, braces, uh, bite plates, 
um, dentures, things that we talked that we had to share about that on, on Sunday, um, clean well, and then there are those that say that you should not have hot chametz 24 hours before the zman when you're not allowed to have chametz. There are those that say to do that. Um, if you have a leichter tray that you have around the dining room table, it's best to clean it well, or I wouldn't wash it on Pesach in the Pesach dick sink type of thing. You kind of just, I don't know how often you wash those things, but like you sequester the, you know, you just, but you can have it around. So some people will cover the feet, you know, in case it got something on it. Uh, rings. So definitely, you know, minimal. Clean them well, right? You can dip your hand in a pot of boiling water or you can take the ring off and then put it into the boiling water. A lot of people will do that because um, a lot of people, uh, you know, they wear their rings and they have their pretty, if your hands are pretty heat tolerant, so then you, you know, you may have messed with stuff. So may, it's, not, it's not a bad idea. Um, washing cups, we generally replace. If you have a water cooler, uh, you just clean it well, but you could use the cold water cooler. Now, the five-gallon thingies of water, Culligan, they are treated with a starch, and therefore it is not recommended to actually get that stuff on, um, on Pesach, unless you, unless you somehow know that it's not reusable things. Okay, that's like a thing, yeah. No, 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 no. Kitchen, kitchen, kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, food. It's all food stuff. Ice machines in the fridge. If, um, you know, you look inside. If it, Most of them are, with the machine part is sequestered away from any kind of food that you have. So it's just water coming in from tap, basically, into there. That's not a problem. Uh, the contact, you know, where, where it comes out, the bin that it lands in in the freezer, those things are things that should be cleaned. And um, sometimes you put the whole thing in a bag. Yeah, you could do that too. Yeah. We used to have an ice maker that the ice was open in the freezer and, and it, it would be compacted, but there was also in the freezer. Right. So, again, if that's the case and you see, so again, you could, if it's cleanable, clean it. If it's not, turn it off. You know, um, uh, all kinds of mixers, blenders, food processors, sandwich makers, toaster ovens, dehydrators, warming drawers, coffee makers, water pitchers, just put them away for Pesach, not worth doing anything. There is a way of koshering and a Keurig machine and replacing the thing. People. Um, what? An urn. I think the Star K has a way of koshering it. I highly recommend getting a Pesach one. The instant hot, the instant hot yeah, you can kosher it, um, clean it well, run the hot water, and this is this sounds tricky, but you run the hot water while pouring hot water over the spout. So run the hot water with a spoon. I don't know. Like, you know, use something else. Right. Right. Or get a new urn. Or get a Pesach urn. Because that, that could be clutch on Pesach. Yeah. Um, what? what? Clutch. Having, oh yeah, having coffee. Um, yeah. 
just clean it. Again, it's like any contact point with your regular Hamid stuff, clean it. And then, then, then you should be um, okay. Just, just one second, just a couple more timely things that I just came up with, saw this year. Um, people buy milk and eggs in advance. That's a thing. Um, Non-Chalv Yisrael milk, you should really check the codes, the OU, the CRC, they all release um, what they have overseen. So they, there are codes on the milks that they say are okay. Maybe. Well, no. So prior to the farm, you're right. But the other brand, whatever they have, they have non chalvisrael milk there. So no, but it's all You don't have. I mean, there, there. If you look in the OU book and the CRC Chicago book, they will tell you which milks. They and it has to. They, they'll give you codes. There'll be some sort of stamp on it. There's something going on over there that they that they are checking and approving. So you can get non chalvisrael milk. Why do we have to buy milk ahead? I understand the eggs. I was about to say you do. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> Let's put it like this. During COVID, right? COVID number, COVID round one, um, it was very hard to get a hold, at least where I was, it was very hard to get a hold of stuff, apparently, Um, especially in the non-Chalvisrol thing. And the eggs also were very difficult to come by at certain points. So those were things where like, okay, if you couldn't, you couldn't. And then you go buy it on... If you're stuck, you go buy it on, on, on Pesach. But like the minhag is, and again, how much real chashash is there of something? Don't know. But basically, the concept is that as much as we talk about that the bittel can't happen, that we don't rely on bittel on Pesach, there is a machlokis of, is that that the bittel doesn't work on Pesach? How about the bittel before Pesach? Bef- right today, Chametz is not usher. It's I'm not chayven karis if I eat it today. It's something that's that's mutter, something that's that's legal for me to ingest. So if I have a drop of it that goes into something much bigger, could it be bottled now? And then when Pesach comes around, it's already non-existent. Do we say that it becomes non-existent now when Pesach comes? So that is something that we rely on, like in the kashering business, like. Once in a while, we will rely on that svara, on that idea that the real concern is that if something happens, if there's some sort of interaction on Pesach. But if the interaction happens before Pesach, there is much more to rely on that we can say that something is bottled. Because at that point that it's getting mixed, it is disappearing because it's not usher in this moment. It's only usher because we're thinking about what's going to happen in two weeks from now. Um, Okay, da-da-da. Meat that you have from the stores... It's got to have a kosher for Pesach thing because if, if it was packed a month ago, there was definitely chametz flying around in the back of these stores. But, um, but I mean, even a month ago, 
already in, in Starcade, in, in, sorry, in Seven Mile, on the label it said, Kosh Professor and DRM. If it says it. That's it. If it says it, it says it. If it doesn't say it, then... Don't... Right. Yeah, but you don't... I'm just saying, don't... I don't think it's Shalom's. Shalom's, Yeah. Yeah, don't assume it. That's, that's my point. Right. Um, vitamins... Vitamins need hechsher. Medicines... And again, there's this letter that the CRC in Chicago puts out that is uh, very important... Very Hashuv. Um, it is not published in the Blumenkrantz book, but uh, it basically says that any kind of any pill that you ingest that is some sort of medicine, just keep on going. Don't don't look it up. Don't think about it. Don't think twice about it. Shampoos, body washes, uh, gels, creams, those kinds of things that are not liquid. Don't worry about it. Not liquid. liquid. Non-liquids, even if they have some sort of alcohol, whatever in it, it's fine. It's not a problem. There is no issue. It's nifsal mechilas goes. Shampoo. No. So the liquid means Ramosh has a chuva about. um, It's fascinating chuva. It's about hairspray, and he said that um, if you know some real, I mean, you know, he. I guess uh, once upon a time he was a rav in Russia. So he said, back in the day, people would take hairspray and they'd distill it and get the alcohol out of it and drink it. So that is a problem. But other things that are more creamy, you can't do that with apparently, and therefore it doesn't have that issue. So um, maybe I'll maybe I'll I'll, uh, I'll put it out there for everybody what this letter is. But um, it's a letter. It is endorsed by um, all rabbanim. That is uh, that that really sets the record straight on what we have to really be concerned about. And whatnot. Is there an Indian of Chumrah de Pesach that if I have the ability to get something that's kosher or not? Yes, it's not like, you know, an absolute absurdity, but that people bend themselves out of shape about it. Uh, absolutely unnecessary. But, but then it doesn't have, is there alcohol that should put away? So, perfumes and, and alcohol. That um, that I, think that, I, think, I think that they say that um, American manufactured perfumes are not using um, grain alcohol anymore. No grain alcohol in them. But the European... But you're, you're, you're saying it's like hand creams wouldn't really need to be... I don't need to worry about it. Like, yeah. But some, some, some of those things, like, they, they even advertise that they use... Oh, so... Like, if something... Listen, you know, if you want to know the truth, would I stay away from something that said it had oats... Yeah, I, you know, I would. But I would say, um, all varieties, I'm just reading from this. This is something that's signed by um, many, this is, it's written in the Midwest, but it's accepted by, uh, all varieties of blush, body soap, conditioners, creams, eyeshadow, eyeliner, face powder, foot powder, foundations, ink, lotions, mascara, nail polish, ointments, paint, shampoo, and stick deodorant are permitted for use on Pesach, regardless of the ingredients contained within them. Period. No, what? Is CRC. <laughs> CRC. CRC. It's signed by Rav Shmuel first. It's a, this is really endorsed by the Aguda in, okay. in, uh, in Chicago, Rav David Zucker, the Rishkal over there. The, the liquid deodorants, hairsprays, 
some perfumes, but again, I just read that like nowadays they're not using grain alcohol anymore. Um, wipes that have denatured alcohol, those could be more problematic. Um, lipstick, mouthwash, things that you actually put into your mouth, those are things that like, again, because then, then it's not about ownership, it's about ingestion, and even if the stuff, even if the chametz has become rendered non-edible, inedible, not even for a dog, which is basically the concept here, that stuff that you're actually putting into yourself, that already is a different story. So the toothpaste and the mouthwash, the things that enter the mouth, even the lipstick, that would be something that one should be careful about. Liquid medications and chewable medications, um, it's worthy of being careful about and I would not, if you have something like that that's an important medicine, I would not stop it without discussion first. Don't just say I'm not going to take it for eight days without consulting your doctor and rabbi. But if it's a, a pill, don't worry about it. Something that has kidneys is allowed to be used for somebody who is slightly ill. So that means that if somebody uses Tums, for instance, as a calcium supplement, it has kidneys in it, it should not be used as a calcium supplement. If you have like if you really do get uncomfortably uh, need Tums, you know, then, then Tums can be used. So it has to, there has to be some sort of need for a chewable, because that's, that's a chewable thing, um, for, that to, for that to be used. Um, paper products is something that there's a little bit of a machlokus between the, um, the different kashrus organizations about them. Uh, the paper products that have a hechsher, obviously, are fine. The paper products that do not have a hapsher, so there is some sort of, there is, at times, some sort of starch that's used on them. <coughs> it is, again, 99.9% going to be kidneyos, which we do have a concept of bittel um, that does apply to kidneyos. So is it a super issue? No. Are people machmir about it? Yes. The Starkei is machmir about it. I believe that the OU is makel about it. Um, water should have, you know, all bottled, bottled water is okay. It should, says the Star K, that it should not have citrates in it. And Kirkland bottled water does. Weird, who knew, right? But, uh, and that's, again, so citrates, I, I researched this a different year, citrates also are 99.9% of the time some, something having to do with kidneys, so, you know, not the end of the world type of thing, but like, if you could avoid it, avoid it. Instant coffee, which used to once upon a time be the type of thing where everybody just said like, yeah, if it's instant coffee, if it's not flavored, it's okay. Uh, doesn't seem to be the case nowadays. The taster's choice is still, still good with that. And Folgers, I think, is okay, the unflavored stuff. But you do have to check the brand and check the, um, and, and check the books to make sure that it is uh, okay. Unflavored seltzer, also like a little bit of a... Machlokas, some, some, some places seem to say maybe it should have a hechsher, but I don't think it needs a hechsher. Um, sugar, regular sugar, is okay without a, without a kosher for Pesach hechsher. Um, somebody told me that the seras, or ser, I don't know how to pronounce it. The, 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 the what? Juice. The juice. It was a whole thing that came out. Series juice may have some sort of kidneys in it. Whatever. If it does, so then don't drink it. Even the ones that say star K with a, with a, with a P, K, right. Star K's right. Nice. It's a star K P for problematic, right? So <laughs> the, um, and then frozen fish, it is best to try to get some, whatever fish you're going to buy, 
it is best to try to find something that has a hachshar, some sort of kosher for Pesach thing going on, to get it fresh from a store. You could rinse it off before Pesach. It's okay. Um, but it is, the, the, the kosher organization seem to push for getting something. The Kirkland stuff has an OU, and they say that it's totally kosher for Pesach. Um, I think that the stuff in Giant has a chavke. I think it's, I, I imagine it's kosher for Pesach. But that kind of stuff, you could just, honestly, you could just rinse it. If it has anything on it, it's going to have some sort in the packaging process. They will generally use something to make it not stick to the packaging. Some kind of thingy that they're doing. Again, probably almost always kidneyos, and therefore you can just rinse it off and you're good to go. Okay. Yeah. What do I do? Um, honestly, I call them. And I have, in most of these guys, at this point already, I have, like, contacts in each of the places. And then I just see what they have to say about it. Like, why are you concerned about this? Why? And um, the guys I'm really close with will tell me why the other guys are wrong, which is what I'm really looking for. Like, you know, why they each, they'll each say that about the others, you know, so it's not like, but um, generally, gen, like, nine, I wouldn't even say 99.9. I would say 100% of the time, there is that I, I do not remember a machlokas between them where there was really one organization thought the other one was just like throwing people to Gehenna. Like it's it's all like these things of like they think that they're using some sort of kidneyus and why rely on that if you don't have to types of thinking. So the 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 logic so so I will generally like you know so if I see something like this, I have a friend I have a lot of friends in the Star K. I have some guys I know in the OU, and I'll just call and I'll say, what's, the, what's up with this? What's up with this? Um, when it came to this thing, like, you know, so I spoke to the guys in the OU. I spoke to people in CRC in Chicago. I have some contact. I spoke to people in OU. What do you all think? Um, the, guy, the, the person in the Star K, was, he said, listen, you know, he said, you have one? I said, yeah, I actually have one. So he said, so he told me, try this and see if it'll singe paper. Try it. So I tried it. And it didn't, which, which was their theory that it wouldn't work. So they were right. So, you know, they, they and then what, there's a whole question of like, and what's exactly is the point of pouring hot water over it? Does that really accomplish anything? Does it not? And so these things are actually, you know, pretty well thought through. And uh, um, yeah, that, that's what I do. Um, but they, they tried it out and it doesn't join them? It does not get, it does not get above 450 it's degrees in the middle. It doesn't ruin... The hot water doesn't ruin the wiring. That's the question. Seems yeah, like it doesn't. Because it has to be able to handle your hot water. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. I was just thinking that, right. It has to be able to accommodate that. If your chicken soup boils over, it's spaghetti. also... If I'm making spaghetti, I'm boils, not wires. No, no, they're not... No, in here. Like, if you look in here, there's a wire in there. So, but again, if you just quickly pour hot water over this, you don't have to saturate or to dunk it. It's, you know... You have water, it's still moist in there if you turn it on. Yeah, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Is I would wait afterwards before. Part. Yeah. Right. They have to think of that. Right. And this is the whole point of this is safety, right? They're not going to like create something that's going to like, you know. 
Right. Yes. Eggs? I think so. Now, if you go to if you go to Shalom's, right? If you go to Shalom's, it'll cost you a little more. But uh, but they uh, but but they they will have purchased them before Pesach. So again, it's a type of thing where I would try to overbuy and. If you get stuck, you could get. What if you're in San Diego? Right? Right? You have a San Diego chat? What's going on over there? Yeah. I'm not sure about that. Can I, can I, can I make a recommendation, by the way? Um, 